0: The Russian writer, Fyodor Dostoevsky, wrote a novel called Brothers Karamazov. Sounds like I read it. I haven't read it. I married Laura instead. That's how I find out most things in life. One of the characters in the books talks about his struggle to get on with people. He says, I love mankind, but I am amazed at myself. The more I love mankind in general, the less I love people in particular. And he goes on. In 24 hours I can begin to hate even the best of men, one because he takes too long eating his dinner, another because he has a cold and keeps blowing his nose. Maybe you can relate to that. I love mankind, it's people I can't stand. And we have a similar problem but it's a little bit more specific, it's about the church. I think we love the idea of church, don't we? We love the idea of family. Different people being together, looking out for each other, sharing our lives with each other. We like the idea of church, but it's Christians that we struggle with. We're not so good at loving the individual Christians around us. And that is a huge problem, because of all the the, the threats that a church faces, of course, they're the external threats. But never lose sight of the internal threat, the threat from within. The damage that can be done because we struggle to love the person sitting next to us in church. Now we've seen in Luke that Jesus is establishing or re-establishing the kingdom of God in these verses and he's laying out what life under his rule looks like. And he showed us that the kingdom is for the spiritually desperate. We've seen that it is those uh, who are weeping over their sense of, of, of sin and failure, needing the, the, the forgiveness of Christ. We've seen that those in the kingdom are like their father in heaven. They love their enemies. That was last week. But if the focus of last week was how we treat those outside of the kingdom, love your enemies, this week the focus shifts to how you treat those inside the kingdom. It's about how you love your brother and your sister. And you can see Jesus has internal kingdom relationships in mind from that parable in verse 41, the guy with the tree growing out of his eye. Who is he relating to? Well, Jesus says, why look at the speck in your brother's eye? Not, not an enemy like 627, not someone outside the kingdom, but a brother, someone inside the kingdom. So, how do you love someone within the kingdom? How do you love your brothers and sisters? Well, two things don't assume the worst about them, and don't assume the best about yourself. Let's think about those. First, don't assume the worst about others. I used to help quite a bit with university mission weeks, kind of a week given over to doing talks and, and sharing the gospel on campus. And I would give talks and chat to people about the Christian faith. And one verse that the, in the Bible that the non-Christian knows really well and loves to quote, it's not, it's not John three sixteen, it's Luke chapter 6, verse 37, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. And that was usually the end of the conversation. They kind of whipped this verse out. Christian, don't come here telling me I need to believe something different. I need to change my life in some way. Don't judge me. Your own Bible tells you that. You've probably had it quoted to you as well. And people love this verse because they think it means we should never criticize, never challenge someone's choices or lifestyle or behavior. They think it means we just have to accept people however they are. But there are a few reasons why Jesus can't be saying that. Four, here we go. First, just a few verses earlier, Jesus says, Woe or or judgment on you who are rich. Woe or judgment on you who are well fed. Woe judgment on you who are highly thought of now. That sounds pretty judgy, doesn't it? Jesus made judgments about people. Uh, Second, no one can live without passing judgment on someone else. We do it. We all do it. We all have to make a choice between what we think is an acceptable way to live and what is an unacceptable. And everyone agrees that there are boundaries. There are limits that you shouldn't cross. So so we all do it. You can't avoid it. Third, Jesus and the Bible command state authorities to pass judgment. It's part of their duty. They are given the sword to reward the good and punish the bad. And finally, Jesus commands Christians to pass judgment. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says, if a brother is in sin deliberately and unrepentantly living against Jesus' teachings, then the church should in the end publicly denounce, distance themselves from that person. We call it church discipline. So no, when Jesus says here, do not judge, do not condemn, he doesn't mean never. Instead, I think Jesus' warning against an attitude, a disposition of your heart, a tendency to be quick to find fault, quick to condemn someone and write them off, and conversely, slow to be gracious and forgiving. Because Jesus has in mind the religious leaders who have just denounced Jesus, the the, the Pharisees. They were self-righteous. They were proud. They were judgmental. Don't be like them, Jesus is saying, that attitude. John Stott, who was a pastor and theologian for many years, described the judgmental person like this. They are a fault finder who is negative and destructive towards other people. They enjoy actively seeking out faults. The judgmental person seeks out the worst in others. I don't know when your bins go out. For us, it is on a Tuesday morning. And I never know which bin, so I always check with the neighbours. What do they put out? That's what i put out. We've all, I think that's how we all do it, isn't it? <laughs> But I think Keith next door knows this, and so sometimes I'm sure he likes to mess around with me a little bit. He's put the glass out, I put the glass out, the glass isn't on today. So sometimes I just put all the bins out, just to be safe. So the bins are out, and imagine one of the neighbours started walking down the street and opening the bins and rummaging around, looking for the absolute worst thing they can find, that kind of five-day-old nappy, that, that meal you couldn't finish that you threw away four days ago. It's a horrible image, isn't it? Rooting around in your rubbish. That is what the judgmental person is like. They seek out the worst in someone, thinking over every word, every action, every interaction, looking for signs of rubbish in someone else's life. Do not judge. Do not condemn. And you know, it's a little bit worse than that actually, isn't it? Because the judgmental person actually enjoys finding out the worst about someone else. In mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis is talking about our reaction when we discover some immorality in another person. And our reaction helps diagnose whether we have judgmental hearts. He says, imagine you heard something about someone you know, and it's bad and it's dark, but then you subsequently find out that it wasn't true. Lewis asks, what is your reaction? Is it thank God they are not as bad as I thought? Or is it a feeling of disappointment and even a determination to cling to the first story for the sheer pleasure of thinking they are as bad as possible? How do I know we relish, the judgmental person relishes in finding faults in others? Because I've seen it in my own heart. Recently, something like this happened, actually. I heard about another pastor who resigned because of some alleged misdeed. And I mentioned this to a friend and said what I thought the pastor had done. And my friend said, look, hang on, nothing has been proved. You don't know actually what's happened. And he was right, nothing was proved or confirmed. But also I remember that feeling of disappointment. Disappointment that maybe this pastor wasn't as bad as I thought. It's terrible, isn't it? Horrible place to be. What a miserable existence that is. And yet how many of us find ourselves with that kind of attitude in our hearts? Do not judge, Jesus says. Do not condemn. The judgmental person loves to find out the worst about someone. Brothers and sisters, pray and pray and pray that the Lord would keep you from this heart. When you hear that someone else has fallen into sin, you grieve and you weep. When you hear that another marriage is struggling, you grieve and you weep. When you hear about someone else's children straying from the truth, you grieve and you pray for them. Do not judge. Do not condemn. Instead, Jesus says, verse 37, forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. If a brother or sister sins against you, be quick to forgive, quick to overlook it, Jesus says. And if a brother or sister is caught in some pattern of destructive behavior, if they mistreat you, be quick to give. That is, be quick to display a gracious attitude towards them, quick to give patience, quick to give the benefit of the doubt. Maybe life is stressful, that's why they snapped. They've not slept well or they've had some bad news. That's why they've not been in touch. Quick to give mercy and compassion. And you know where this starts for a lot of us? It starts in the home. Because one of the perverted things about our hearts is that actually we're good at public displays of patience. Because that makes us look good. But when the doors are closed and we're with our own family, it's a different story, isn't it? Wives, maybe the brother you need to most avoid being judgmental towards is your husband. Husbands, maybe the sister you need to most avoid being judgmental towards is your wife. Children, even grown-up children, maybe it is your elderly parents that you need to be quick to forgive. Don't be judgmental. Don't condemn Instead, show mercy and forgiveness. Why is this so important? Well, verse 36, at the beginning of the passage, be merciful because your Father in heaven is merciful, like father, like son, like father, like daughter. We are to express these things because we are now in the likeness of our heavenly Father, who is merciful and compassionate. But Jesus then gives another reason, a little bit more punchy. Verse 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured against you. With the measure you use, it will be measured against you. If you judge with a harsh spirit, you will be judged with a harsh spirit. If you condemn others without any understanding, without grace, you will be condemned. With the measure you use, it will be measured against you. Now I think on one level, Jesus is talking about our relationship with God. Do we want the Lord to be merciful and understanding and patient with us? Do we want the Lord to give us a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over a good measure of mercy, compassion, patience and love? and give others a good measure of the same. Say so On one level, this is talking, reflects our relationship with God. Be careful. He will treat us with the measure that we use against others. But on another level, it's talking about how other people will treat you. If you are critical, harsh, and quick to condemn, slow to forgive, then people will treat you in the same way and the church will be torn apart. So how do we protect Redeemer? How do we maintain the unity and peace of this family? We pray, Lord, keep me from a judgmental heart and help me to be full of mercy and compassion towards those around me. This is convicting, isn't it? This, you know, if your heart is in any way awake right now. This is convicting. That's why it's so wonderful how Jesus starts this teaching on the kingdom. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are hungry. Blessed are those who weep because of their sin. If this is convicting, then Jesus says, come to me and find that blessing and that forgiveness. How do we love not just the idea of church, but the Christians who make up this very church? Don't assume the worst about others. Don't be judgmental. The second, don't assume the best about yourself. And we all have this kind of internal voice, don't we? When I'm on my own, I find myself having a conversation with myself. I think that's normal having that conversation out loud, that's when you kind of, that's some problems there. But but this ongoing monologue with ourselves, when we gather our thoughts together about something or, or someone, when we reflect with ourselves about what's going on, processing something that's happened, this voice, our thoughts, it's always playing around in our heads, isn't it? And that's fine. But the problem with that voice and our thoughts is that we're so good at justifying our own actions and our own decisions. You you have a row with someone, you lose your temper with your colleagues or your kids, and you'll play it back in your mind, and that voice is very good at convincing you that it wasn't really you who were to blame, it was them. We're very good at assuming the best about ourselves, aren't we? That our motives were pure and our actions and our words were justified. And I think what Jesus is saying in these verses, 39 to 42, is stop it. Stop assuming the best about yourself. Instead, three things. Be slow to speak, quick to listen, and examine yourself first. Let's have a look at these. Be slow to speak. Listen to verse 39. He also told them this parable, Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? In the summer we went to a wedding in Oxford and we, we thought we knew roughly where the church was, so we parked up in the kind of shopping mall, car park. We headed out of the shopping mall and we saw a couple in front of us. They were clearly dressed for a wedding. So we thought we'll just follow them. They're clearly going to the wedding. And the longer we walked, though, the less certain we were. And we got to a cul-de-sac and a dead end. And they stopped. They were lost. And then we stopped 20 yards behind, and we had to quickly pretend that we weren't following them, so we just walked off in any direction we could, and then we got Google Maps out. I don't know why we didn't do that to start with. But but sometimes when we intervene, I think what Jesus is saying is sometimes when we intervene in someone's life, when we try and correct them or judge them, we're doing the same thing that those people in front of us did. We're leading people into a cul-de-sac, a dead end, a pit. We step in with some kind of correction or some kind of rebuke and we actually end up leading people into further trouble. The blind leading the blind. And it might even be that what you say is right. You know, maybe someone's been missing church for weeks. Maybe they are neglecting their children. Maybe they don't hold to some part of Jesus' teaching. You know, that Something needs to be said, and so but you say something. But the way you say it, the words that you use, the tone of condemnation and judgmentalism in your voice, the harshness, it doesn't lead the person closer to Christ. It leads them further away, it leads them into a pit of despair and anger. Be slow to speak. You don't want to be the blind person leading another blind person into the pit. Instead, pray before you speak. If you feel you need to say something, pray. And if you don't think you can trust yourself, if you're not sure whether you should say something, get some wisdom. Talk to someone who is trustworthy. Get their thoughts on it. But be slow to speak. Don't intervene and therefore leave the person worse off than they were to start with. Be slow to speak. Be quick to listen. Verse 40. The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. In Luke's gospel, the word teacher is used, I think 18 times, and all but two of them refer to Jesus. So I think it's fair to assume that teacher here is talking about Jesus. The student is not above the teacher, above Jesus. And Jesus' point is this, don't go above and beyond my teaching. Put it another way, don't try and be more righteous than Jesus. Or better, don't hold people to the standard of your life rather than to the standard of Christ. Because it's very easy to do, isn't it? Very easy to look at other people. We look at other Christians, their choices and the way they parent and their spending habits or the politics that they get behind, whatever it is. And because it is different to us, we're critical. Even though they're not actually breaking any commands of Jesus, we hold them to our standard rather than to the standard of Christ. But Jesus says the student is not above the teacher. Do not try and be more righteous than Jesus. That was the problem with the Pharisees. Rather, be quick to listen. Everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. The more we listen to his teachings, the more we will become like him. The more balance and clarity our standard of right and wrong will have, the more we will be able to show compassion and understanding and the more we will know when it is right to intervene and when it's not right to intervene. Be quick to listen to Jesus. So don't assume the best about yourself. Be slow to speak so you don't lead someone into a worse place than they already are. Be quick to listen. So you don't judge someone according to your standard instead of Christ's. And finally, examine yourself first. Verse 41. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? And this is funny. You know, you imagine you've got a tree growing out of your eye and you stand up looking across church, moving your, your head around to see who's there and kind of flattening people in front of you. And, and then you see a, a brother or a sister in the other side of the room and you think they've got a little bit of an eyelash kind of stuck to their eyelid. So you, you walk your way over, knocking more people out as you do. And you know, even before you've reached them, you've, you've knocked them out because you've got this 10-foot tree growing out from your face. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Of course you wouldn't do that. I mean, you wouldn't have a tree growing out of your eye. But do you know what I mean? You wouldn't do it. So why do we think we can go and correct someone else because they were late for church when we haven't made it for the last four weeks? Or why do we think you can tell another husband he needs to spend more time with his family when your wife is barely talking to you? Or why do we get angry with church when others don't take time to encourage us? or give us time when we never take time to encourage others or spend time with others don't be a hypocrite jesus says don't walk around with the tree growing out of your eye pointing out all the eyelashes and specks in other people's eye instead examine yourself take the plank out of your own eye and that's no easy thing is it self examination bit of a a lost art for us as Christians. I think brothers and sisters in the past were much better at self-examination, using the word of God like a scalpel, trying to dissect their souls, their actions, their motives and their words. So the theologian Martin Luther in the 15th, 16th century um, wrote to his barber, the guy who cut his hair, about how to pray and how to read the Bible. And he said, when you read a passage in the Bible, ask four questions. What does this passage tell me to do? What does it teach me to be thankful for? What does it teach me to confess? And what does it teach me to ask for? It's good advice, isn't it? And that third question, maybe that is where we need to spend a little bit more time. What do I need to confess? And you know what? If you want to go a step further... Have the courage to ask someone else. Is there some obvious fault, some obvious deviation from Christ in my life? Examine yourself. Kind of sounds a bit morbid, doesn't it? A bit introspective, finding the worst and then just being miserable. But actually, remember Jesus' words again. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who weep over their sins. It seems like a paradox to us, but the more aware I am of the darkness in there and the more I confess that to the Lord Jesus, well then the greater my happiness will be, my blessing will be. Maybe the happiest people are those who are most aware of their sin. Examine yourself. Be more, as someone put it, be more fed up and tired with your own sin then you are fed up and tired with the sin of your children or your housemaid or your brother and sister in Christ. Examine yourself first. But it is first. That is, Jesus isn't saying never confront other people. Verse 42, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So don't miss this. In all of the talk here about being cautious and careful before we intervene, don't miss what Jesus is saying here. It is appropriate sometimes to reach over and take the speck out of someone else's eye. It's okay and right at times that we do confront one another. Jesus expects us to do that. And I think perhaps we need a bit more robustness, a bit more willingness to be confronted. If you're like me, then you'll wither at the first kind of hint of criticism. need a bit more robustness. Jesus expects us to be confronting each other with our sin when it's obvious. But don't correct from the position of superiority. Do it from the position of humility. Do it from a position of someone who is aware of the tree sized sin that is growing in their own life. As someone who knows how hard the fight with anger or lust or greed can be. Don't approach with the kind of accusative finger. Approach with an arm around their shoulder. Then we're going to pray about this, we're going to help you with this, show you a different way. So examine yourself. First, before you then speak to someone else. How do we love not only the idea of church, but the actual Christians in our church family? How do we stop this church family tearing itself apart? Don't assume the worst about others. And don't assume the best about yourself. do to quiet, I'm going to pray. Jesus says, be merciful as your Father is merciful. I'm going to read some words from Psalm 103 just to remind ourselves of the deep mercy of God. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Heavenly Father, we pray and we pray and we pray that your heart would more and more shape our own hearts. That the compassion that we see you having towards us that even just a tenth of that we might be able to show towards one another. Help us not to be judgmental in our views and our attitudes. Help us to be quick to forgive, just as you are quick to forgive us. Help us to be slow to speak, quick to listen to the teachings of Christ, and be willing to examine our own hearts far more than we examine the hearts of others. Lord, we pray that you would protect this church. Protect it from all the ways in which our failure to love one another can rip it apart. Thank you for the peace that we enjoy. And may that continue. In Jesus' name, amen.